if I had a bullet or a gun to my head and someone said, Brent, you have to make a sale in the next 30 minutes on this website, otherwise I'm going to pull the trigger, what I would do is I would... Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four... Three, two, one. Hello, welcome back. You're tuned into Traffic Jam episode number 14. I'm your host, James Reynolds, and I've got another fantastic show and guest lined up for you today. Let's first of all start with the show. And if you're a regular listener to Traffic Jam, you will be very much familiar with the format by now. We start the main part of the show with our feature interview, where we dive deep into one particular area of traffic. We then follow that with this week's news in traffic, which is the big news affecting us online marketers that has been revealed in the past seven days. We then have the one minute traffic tip, which is short, actionable advice delivered to you in under six. 60 seconds. Well, sometimes a little bit longer than that. I'm not always great with keeping my time. And then we close out the show with the traffic jam jam, a little musical jam picked by today's guest. So who is today's guest? Well, he is a well-accomplished online entrepreneur. His name you may not know of yet, but when you learn he's one of the men behind the Noble Samurai suite of products, that's Market Samurai, Domain Samurai and Article Samurai, as well as Zen Tester conversion optimization software, you'll quickly understand he really knows his stuff. He's a keyword research specialist, an expert in conversion optimization, and he can also throw his hand very well to copywriting. As well as getting him to reveal his very best traffic secrets, we cover some very important marketing fundamentals in today's chat. And we also foray into the very critical area of conversions. So with that little intro, let's move into today's feature interview. And my guest is Brent Hodgson. So today I'm joined by a friend of mine, one of the most rounded marketing talents I would say I know, and that's Brent Hodgson. Brent, welcome to Traffic Jam. Thanks, James. Well, it's good to have you on board the show. I'm really excited about this episode. I guess I should probably give people a little bit of a background on who you are to start with. Now, you kind of cut your marketing teeth early on in real estate. You are a creator of, or at least a co-creator of, several software products. You write copy for several well-known marketers, and you have a number of done-for-you marketing services. Plus, between <laughs> all of that, you travel the world, mostly in first or business class, on a pretty cheap rate to some amazingly exotic places. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Because there seems to be so much there. James, I should get you to write my resume for me. I think you've done a better job than you know I could do myself there. Thank you. That's really gracious of you. Um, goodness, there's. If I go back to where I actually got started, originally I was a high school student reading uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, which is Robert Kiyosaki's book, and I looked ahead at the route that was ahead of me if I had have kept on going down, you know, the path that was laid out. And it was leading towards economic style degree at university, which would have led to a wearing a suit and tie job, going in, working in the cities, perhaps somewhere in the banking industry. And I'd be working 
10 hour days, five days a week, maybe six days a week, getting one or two days off and then two days annual leave each year or two weeks annual leave each year. And I just didn't like the idea of that. So instead of doing that, I went into uh, real estate investing and started working for a guy who became quite a successful author and digital marketing or digital product creator in that space. I was really bad at investing, but really good at the marketing side of his business. So uh, it wasn't too long until I, you know, I worked out that the money was actually in, how do I say it, the income generating side of the business. Mm. So I went from being in admin to marketing and, um, you know, kept on pushing myself to get better and better results for this guy, eventually became a consultant, started using some of the techniques that I was using as a consultant uh, to, I guess, systemize things. Some people saw some software that I had uh, or the, the company that I was working with uh, had created as well as the um, some other tools and software uh, that another colleague of mine had created. We put them all together, turned it into some software called Market Samurai that did quite well uh, in its first three years, had 300,000 users. Um, goodness, there's a lot of stuff in there that you've covered off. Um, the business and first class stuff, um, that stuff is, I guess, I'm really good at taking huge amounts of data, analyzing them down and looking for where the best opportunities are. And I guess that's where I, what I do with the keyword research stuff that I do, taking a lot of data, narrowing it down and focusing on the big bits that make a big difference. Well, perhaps we'll talk about some of those things that really can make the real difference in terms of traffic and perhaps also conversions is, a, is an area that I'd like to talk to you about today. You know, those sort of top 20% of the top 20% that really get the, the big changes in the business. But we'll come to that a little bit later. One of the real big reasons I wanted to get you on the show is that you've been really successful with a number of different traffic sources. In fact, I think you've developed whole businesses around at least three um, <laughs> that I can think of anyway. With all of that experience, what would you say, Brent, is your favorite way to get traffic? This is going to sound a bit controversial, given that a lot of the work that our, the listeners listening in right now would be doing is online traffic generation. One of my favorite ways to get traffic at the moment is actually to take it offline. And I think that it's a, a you know, often overlooked um, opportunity to bring, to bring people into your business, to go offline, particularly in, your, in business to business niches and just contact businesses directly via post, via phone, via SMS, fax, and so forth. You know, those lists out there, you know, people, people who have business-to-business lists talk about doing all of this lead generation for their businesses. But realistically, all the lead generation that they need to do is already done for them. And all they need to do is open up the yellow pages or go to, the, go to Google and actually Google the names of the businesses that they want as clients and get in touch with them. Mm. That said, there's a lot of, lot of opportunities out there in Facebook Facebook works very well these days. Um, Google AdWords, pay-per-click is excellent. There's a lot of stuff you can do in banner networks these days that uh, you know a lot of people overlook. YouTube, goodness, there's so many opportunities to get traffic. But out of all of them, I think the, mo the one that's most often overlooked and is perhaps one of the easiest is to just contact businesses directly in business-to-business -business markets. Mm. Well, I think it's one of those scenarios where... 
a lot of people want to jump on the sort of latest rising trend and do the coolest or most interesting way to do traffic but sometimes just mm. the simplest possible things you know just the old school stuff like picking up a telephone or writing a handwritten note to someone those real high touch forms of contact are sometimes just the most effective and because everyone is doing the new stuff the old stuff just often works so you know so so well yeah absolutely that it, you raise the the point um of just writing a note to someone being so high touch we start to go through our numbers on some of the traffic generation methods that we use. We look at, you know, a lead is costing us 50 or $60 and it's generating, you know, this much value out of the lead and the conversion rates are 5 or 10% on one particular traffic method. You know, you can get 70, 80, 90, sometimes even 100% conversion rates just off a handwritten note. So, you know, it's a lot more effort. It's not automated. It's not leveraged in the ways that you could... Uh, build leverage with SEO or with uh, Google AdWords, but it's still, you know, a very effective way to bring in leads. Yeah, absolutely. But having said that, Brent, I guess <clears throat> there are some ways that those processes can be automated, um, at least partially. I mean, there's systems out there now that once you have captured that lead, can send them off a, uh, a physical postcard via the post. What if any of those systems are, are you using or would you recommend to do that type of process? Yeah, um, doing it manually give, uh, gives you a lot of uh, quality control over how you send things out to people. Um, but some things it's just not feasible to do manually. So, for example, we're doing a mail out to um, people that are coming to a seminar. There's about uh, 1,200 people that we're mailing out to at the moment. It just wouldn't be feasible for us to write 1,200 notes. You know, that would take a long time. So um, for that particular uh, marketing strategy that we're using right now to follow up people to make sure that they come to this free event, we're using a service called Send Out Cards. And Send Out Cards lets you send postcards out direct to people via uh, the mail. It comes with a stamp that, you know, is from your country as well. So even though they print the postcards in the US, they then box them up, ship them to the, to Australia in our case, uh, put a post uh, postmark on it or a stamp on it, and it looks really professional. It looks really nice to receive, you know, something that's well written, and uh, it even has your um, your handwriting as a font if you want to, you know, set up your service to actually do that yourself. Yeah, we're also using a couple of different. Um, SMS uh, follow-up services or SMS sending services. And we've been able to integrate them into Infusionsoft and so forth. And the, the issues that you have with email, you don't have in the same ways with post and with SMS. So these days we're sending an email and you can sometimes get a, a deliverability rate of, you know, 15 oh, sorry, 50%. You know, half of your emails go missing. So if you're if you're looking at the effectiveness of email, even though you can send an email for free, um, you know, there's still a value per action associated with it. And if you can work out what your value per action is, sometimes it's actually more effective to go down the SMS route and still pay, you know, nine cents per SMS, but then end up with a much greater response rate. So I don't know, I guess it, down, it comes down to having a couple of different irons in your fire and having a couple of different strategies to get the message through to people. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's always that inclination to go down the route of where everything's automated and free yeah. and, and simple. Whereas, as you said, just the, the high touch stuff, the, the stuff that takes a bit more effort, you know, sending out a handwritten note and putting the stamps upside down to make it look a bit weird and peculiar <laughs> to get a bit more open rate. It's, a, you know, it's hard work, but uh, these types of things in environments where it's business to business, especially, as you mentioned, um, is highly effective. Yeah, yeah. And it's nice to look beyond the free as well. It's nice to be able to know your numbers well enough to be able to say, I can actually afford to do this thing and spend X much contacting the client. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, for someone who's been in the game as long as you have, and I'm sure that you've got a few more secrets up your sleeve, you've covered a great traffic tip there and actually going offline. What's your best kept traffic secret in terms of generating online traffic? Yeah, uh, good question. I guess that my uh, my best kept traffic secret isn't such a great kept traffic secret these days, but it's all about finding the right keywords to target online. Uh, it's something that not enough people do. I think people, for the most part, uh, you know, when they're doing search engine optimization, they never really look into the keywords before they jump in, and as a result. They don't have a sense of how much they're likely to spend doing their search engine optimization or how long it's going to take to get a result or when they do get a result, what that result is going to look like, how many visitors they're likely to attract from that particular keyword, what ranking they're likely to receive and what each visitor is likely to be worth to their business. And I think these are the things that you can get from doing a little bit of keyword research right from the outset. You can actually let's say reverse engineer um, the results that you're going to get from search engine optimization or from your website rankings. And that lets you make a lot of decisions about whether or not a keyword is worth targeting or whether it's better to target its you know, lower value cousin that might not generate as much traffic to your website, but might be easier to achieve those rankings because it's you know, just not as competitive. Mm. So keyword research, I think, is you know, part of the secret source of doing any effective online lead generation and also making sure that any content that you produce, any websites that you put up, you know, any, anything that you publish is going to have some sort of return on investment because search engines are, what, 87% of, uh, of all sales online start with a search engine search or something ridiculous like that. Mm. So unless you're actually... Uh, taking the content that you're publishing and targeting it to a specific keyword, the chances of actually getting a return on the content is much lower or the return that you will get is much lower than if you were to actually actively target your content out to specific keywords out there. Got it. Got it. Well, it's all about relevancy, isn't it? I mean, I work with a, a lot of businesses, as, as you know, and there's always that tendency for them to want to kind of shape everything in their own voice and, and manner, yeah. whereas they totally forget about what the actual customer <laughs> is saying and how they're, <laughs> you know, searching online and just the vocabulary that they use. And they just, you know, they alienate themselves in many instances from the market they're trying to attract. It's, uh, it's, it's bonkers. So that research, as you said, really lays out the groundwork for what follows. Yeah, and it's okay to have your own voice. It's okay to, you know, to say what you want to say. It's just worth looking to see whether or not the client or the customer wants to hear it. And if they do want to hear it, what phrases they're typing into the search engines to look for that information. So then you still have your voice, but it actually gets heard. 
Absolutely. Good. Well, I want to talk a little bit about some of the results, Brent, that you've achieved, you know, for yourself and for others in the past. And I see over on one of your websites, you state that you developed a three week online marketing campaign that was responsible for generating over nine hundred and sixty thousand dollars in three weeks. Tell me a bit about that and some (laughs) of the lessons that came from it. All right. Okay. this one is it's surprisingly simple. Um, we actually did this campaign twice. It was done in two slightly different ways. The first time we released it, it did $570,000 worth of sales in, I think it was 37 minutes and it crashed our servers and we stopped being able to take sales. So we flipped over to a email us if you want to make a, if you want to purchase and we'll give you a quick call back to take your credit card details. And uh, that's how we were able to get all the sales in within 30 minutes or 37 minutes. We were jumped onto the phones instead of uh, instead of taking online sales after our site crashed. Huh. But the principles behind this strategy were, you know, really, really simple things. So, you know, this marketing comes down to common sense. Uh, we had a list, a list of people who were interested in a particular topic. And uh, we kept on... Uh, noticing that in support and when we ran events and, uh, you know, when we chatted with these people on the phone, they kept on asking the same sorts of questions over and over again. And they wanted those questions to be answered in a specific style of product. So what we did was we created a survey and sent that survey out to all of the people in the customer list and got them to tell us what questions they had specifically what format they want them, want those questions answered in, how much they would be willing to spend, you know, to get those questions answered on the information product that we would create. And also some of the inclusions, whether or not they wanted uh, regular mentoring meetings, whether or not they wanted DVDs, whether or not they wanted uh, CDs that they could play in their car, whether or not uh, they wanted access to a coach that they could telephone with their questions. And we went through and we calculated how much each one of those little inclusions would cost. How much would it cost to produce a DVD every month or a CD every month? Or how much would it cost for us to have a dedicated uh, mentor that people would be able to call up day or night and ask their questions? And using what people told us they would be willing to spend on this particular product and what it would cost to do each one of those little inclusions, we worked out an optimal profitability curve. So we were able to see the, you know, what level of demand there was for the product if it included certain items and not other items, and if it was a certain price or a lower price or a higher price. So we were able to work out what the uh, most profitable way of producing this product was what it should sell for and what it should include. And then it was really simple. We went out to the list and we gave it to the list. And, uh, you know, this is really, really, you know, people overlook the fact that you can actually ask your customers what they want to buy. So after going out to the customers and asking them what they wanted to buy, we created the product and the product turned into a annual mentoring program. It was 12 months worth of mentoring and it was a couple of thousand dollars to be part of this mentoring program. For that couple of thousand dollars, you would get a folder. Uh, I think it was a folder every month at the time 
you would get a lot of training that would go into it, a couple of CDs, and you would have a quarterly get-together, a quarterly meeting. In addition to that, you'd be able to come to the various seminars that we were running. So we started to run an anticipation campaign, and we knew that things were going to take off when we chewed through our whole server's bandwidth, our monthly bandwidth, within the first couple of days. People kept on going to the website and watching our little countdown timer. And each time the countdown timer was, you know, ticking along, it was spending a couple of bytes worth of bandwidth. And we eventually chewed through our whole, you know, monthly bandwidth bill. Anyway, the day of the launch comes around and we're watching the server and there are thousands of people who are sitting on the website waiting for this counter to tick down to zero. Wow. So they're just sitting there hitting refresh and refresh and refresh. So it wasn't long after we actually turned the switch or flicked the switch and made the sales card available that the card actually crashed. Now, this is before the days of internet marketers deliberately crashing cards to, you know, create a reason to go back to the list and say, hey, you know, you should buy buy this again because the card crashed because it was so popular. So it was before any of those strategies. So before you start criticizing me for this one here, no, it wasn't deliberate. This thing actually happened. It was because of, uh, I'll, be, I'll be frank, we were running a very poorly written website that was actually on an ASP slash access database at the time. So this is going back a few years. Anyway, the site crashed. We had a plan B in, in place. We flicked over to an email address. People sent us through their phone numbers. And we, uh, you know, just jumped on the phones and started collecting these orders. And we had hundreds of orders by the time, so time it ended. We didn't get all of the thousands of people who, we, who were on the website at the first, in the first instance, but we still made uh, $570,000 in, in 37 minutes. Um, when it came time to do it again, rather than crashing the website, we decided to do a staged release. So it was the same process over again. We made a couple of tweaks to the way that the product was actually structured, made it available, made it available again, did a whole big anticipation campaign. And over the next three weeks, we went painfully shy of the million dollar mark. We did $960,000 in those three weeks. So this was a particularly big year for the company that we were in at the time. And uh, it was all because we asked customers what they wanted to buy. We created a nice anticipation campaign around it. And we gave them what they wanted, the price that they wanted to spend. So as a result of that, we were able to make a lot of sales. Simple. Love it. Good. Well, uh, just to clarify then, Brent, in terms of the traffic source for that particular offer, was that all pre-existing customers or leads that you had acquired what was the kind of the makeup of that sort of database that you accessed the database was uh, achieved through a book um, most of the people that had come into that particular database had been um, readers of a book that was published uh, so in terms of a, a different traffic source um, this is another one of those offline traffic sources uh, we knew that there were people in this particular market who were going into bookstores and reading about this particular topic. So we published a book around the topic and um, we were able to get out to, goodness, there must have been uh, 50,000 or so people um, who signed up for the list over the months after the book was, re was released. The database uh, was originally 
um, started out of forums and out of word of mouth and out of search engine optimization. Um, and then it started to grow uh, as a result of this book. Now, so we, we were able to achieve about 7,000 people on the database from search engine optimization and from word of mouth and from, um, from forum marketing, essentially. Those 7,000 people that we were able to get onto the list formed the basis of creating that first best-selling book. So it doesn't actually take a huge amount of people buying your book to actually uh, become a bestseller. You'd be surprised how few people you need to become mm. a number one bestseller. And as a result of getting that bestseller title um, or bestseller you know, kudos, suddenly all of these magazines started featuring our book. There was a TV article or TV uh, segment about the book. Um, you know, we started to be put into the... Uh, into the newspapers in, you know, the appropriate columns of the newspapers right where people were, I'll tell you what it was, it was a property investment book. So we were being put into the real estate section, um, you know, in the investment articles section, a bit of a review of the book. So we started picking up leads from that as well. And as a result, the book went from bestseller to mega bestseller. And we were able to get a lot of leads out of that. Fantastic. So this was a sort of proven buyers list and I think it's probably a nice segue at this point in the interview to actually talk about that process of converting a lead some traffic into a sale because this is an area of expertise for you and something that so far we've not really touched upon in traffic jam so you are a big believer in conversion rate optimization as it's called and in fact I think you now offer this as a service to people on the outside, this whole conversion thing can look a bit kind of complex and sort of tech worthy and scientific. Can anyone do it? I guess is, is probably one question that I'd have for you. And also kind of what is the process behind, you know, optimizing a website to make the most of your traffic sources and for conversions? Um, to answer the first part of that first, logically, uh, yes, anyone can do it. In fact, the, um, the, the skill level needed to do conversion optimization these days with tools like Visual Visual Website Optimizer, uh, it's a lot lower than what it used to be. You used to have to have a level of coding skill to be able to set up a conversion optimization test or a split test or a multivariate test. And you'd also need a level of mathematical knowledge to work out what the statistics were actually telling you. But these days, you can pretty much open your website in one of these visual editors and uh, click on, let's say, a button on your website and immediately swap it for another button as if you were editing a Word document. So it's, you know, the, the barrier to entry for doing conversion optimization. It's a lot lower these days than what it used to be. When you're looking at conversions and if you're looking for things to improve on your website, there's a lot of things that you can do to tweak your marketing. Um, and I've got a little bit of a different philosophy on conversion optimization from a lot of other people. I think that it's a nice way to avoid actually making a decision about what the best way to sell a particular product is. So if you haven't done any conversion optimization yet or if you're thinking of putting together a new product or if you're you know, doing a new sales page, then uh, 
conversion optimization is actually a good strategy to apply right from the very beginning. And the reason why you want to apply it from the beginning is because those crazy ideas that you have, should I, you know, maybe I should do it, do this as a video, or maybe I should do this as a long form sales letter, or maybe I should ask people to opt in or give, ask them to give me a call on this particular phone number. There's no reason you couldn't try all of those things at once and test which one of those things is responsible for the most conversions or most sales or most signups. So if you're able to start at the very, very beginning and start with conversion optimization right at the very start, you're able to, you know, right from the very beginning, create a bit of a snowballing effect. Um, and I'll have a talk about some of the specific things that you should test in just a moment. But just to give you an example of this snowball effect, back when we were doing Market Samurai, um, Market Samurai was released and we didn't do a lot of conversion optimization right at that very beginning point. But a couple of weeks into the process, we started to do some conversion optimization for a particular affiliate who signed up. And he was an affiliate by the name of Mike Filsame, who's a, a really nice guy in real life, although he gets a bit of a bad rap because of his hard marketing style. Anyway, Mike was our first big affiliate um, beyond uh, people that we already knew. We wanted to get him a really nice result and give him a big commission check. So then when we approached future people to sell our stuff, um, those people were more likely to sell our product, sell Market Samurai. We did some split tests and um, found one particular split test variation that was responsible for doubling our sales. And that meant that the check that we gave to Mike was twice as big as what we would have normally given given um, an affiliate or what we would have given affiliate if we did uh, no conversion optimization. So this nice, big, seriously big uh, five-figure check, um, you know, Mike was super happy about receiving that check. And what happened after that was Mike told his buddies and his buddies told their buddies. And suddenly we had all of these big names in the internet marketing industry selling our product. And not just that, people who learned about our product from those affiliates, they started telling other people about the product via word of mouth at meetups, via forums, via blogs. And as a, as a result, we were getting not just sales from that, we are also getting Links, links from social media, links from forum discussions, links from blog reviews of the product. So our search engine rankings went up and that meant we started to get more traffic and we started to get more leads coming in and we started to make even more sales. That gave us the ability to do even more split testing. And then when it came time to release our affiliate program to the general, you know, to, to people that had purchased our product in the past, we had an even greater I guess, number of people who had purchased our product and we were able to tap into that greater list of, product, uh, list of leads to, um, you know, to make even more sales, to get their leads, to get, you know, give them commissions on any word of mouth referrals that they were able to send in. So um, conversion optimization is also a, a nice traffic generation strategy. It also makes, you know, paid advertising a lot more profitable and a lot more effective by increasing the results that you're actually getting from uh, from your website. So it might be costing you a dollar per click um, or a dollar per lead to actually get someone into your website uh, to sign up or to make a purchase. If you can double your sales or double your signups, then suddenly it's 
50 cents per lead or 50 cents per sale. So your profits significantly increase as well. In terms of the actual things that you should be testing, there's about 10 things that I have um, that I look at when I'm looking at a website and doing a bit of a review and actually testing uh, uh, you know, whether or not I can increase conversions. And most of the time, it's actually fairly fast and easy to um, to increase conversions. Should I go through some of these things? I think that would be awesome. Yeah, if we could get maybe sort of three to five, you know, sort of actionable things that our listener out there can go and check on their website to see if the boxes tick. I think that yeah. would be fantastic. So, uh, yeah, the floor's yours. Let's go. Let's uh, let's hit a list of three to five. Whatever you think is going to be that top few percentile that makes the biggest difference. All right, okay. Um, having done a lot of split tests and having run a split testing piece of software as a service, I've been able to see what's worked particularly well for a lot of, lot of clients and a lot of, uh, lot of people doing split testing. The thing that works most effectively is to minimize distractions. And there's two sides of this. Firstly, on every page there should be one clear call to action. So if you've got a web page that's a, uh, I don't know, a, a home page for a shopping cart site, for example, these are notorious for having a lot of little different things that you can click on and find out more about. But there should be one predominant call to action on that website. The more calls to action that there are on a website, the less effective any one of them is going to be. In fact, the less effective they're all going to be as a result of, you know, getting distracted or everyone gets distracted on just should I click there or there or not there or anyway, as a result, they, people with too many options don't make a decision. So by getting rid of uh, distractions or getting rid of options, you're actually able, able to make significant conversion gains very, very quickly. And one of those things that you can do, and this is quite controversial, is to remove navigation from the web page. And sometimes it's not feasible to do this, but for example, a client that I had recently, um, we removed the navigation that said, here are the products in this particular category that was down the left-hand side of the website. And just removing that uh, product listing, that product, product navigation in the shopping cart, that was able to result in a 417% conversion increase um, with 99% confidence interval for you stat statistics uh, geeks out there, <laughs> wow. uh, 417% uplift. And that took us 48 hours to actually run the test. Wow. And from something so simple as just removing a bit of navigation, that's, uh, that's amazing. Another thing that um, you should also have a look at is if you're, particularly if you're running a, a shopping cart style website, or if you're selling a digital product or if there's something visual that you can represent when it comes to the product that you're selling, showing it in a good light, you know, almost literally here, uh, will significantly increase conversions. So another test that we did recently was to just change the product image that we had for a particular product on this client's website. And uh, we were able to run testing for a couple of days and we were able to get a 95% confidence interval. So that's you know fairly certain that this is actually accurate. A 173% uh, 
increase in conversions. So that's just another couple of days worth of testing. And all we did was change the product image. So if you don't have a product image on your digital product, or if you're uh, selling a, a product on a, on a shopping cart website, and it might not be the most attractive picture of that product, then just testing the, the product image can significantly increase the sales that you make online. Mm. Okay, so that's two we've got there. So remove distractions and look at your images. What's the th what's number three on your list, Brent? Well, oh goodness, which one would we use if we if we had to give one more? You know what? I'm, I'm going to use um, if I had to make sales on any website. If I had to, if I had a gun to my head and someone said, Brent, you have to make a sale in the next thirty minutes on this website, otherwise I'm going to pull the trigger. What I would do is I would increase the scarcity. And scarcity is all about um, telling people that the offer is going to end or that um, if they don't act now, they're going to miss out. It's creating pain for inaction rather than the pain of actually pulling your credit card out and taking action right now. So when it comes to creating scarcity, there's a couple of different techniques that you can use here. You know, you can have a, a time-limited offer, you can have a countdown timer, you can have a, um, you know, a discount coupon special. The one that I really like, uh, and Scarcity Samurai, um, all business partners back at Market Samurai have been using this one recently. They've actually packaged it up as a product. It's the countdown timer with a user-targeted offer. And this is something that takes a little bit of tech skill to test, but if you can create that scarcity, that urgency to buy right now before the offer expires in the next couple of minutes, then you typically receive a massive conversion rate. And when I'm talking massive conversion rate, back in the Market Samurai days, I think we had something pushing up to a 60% conversion rate, I think it was, um, from lead, from sign-up to actual sale. So, you know, these scarcities, these countdown timers, these, um, you know, user-targeted offers, if you can create that urgency, suddenly your conversions to sale will skyrocket. Mm. Yeah, it pushes that person to that point of decision, whereas, you know, if you just leave a, a buy now button hanging there, well, you know, two weeks down the line, they think they might make mm. it. But uh, if they've got to make that decision now, it really pushes them into either choosing to take it or, or not. One of those two yeah. is the only way they can go, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've got a product that uh, I got downloaded a trial recently because I wasn't able to purchase it right then and there. And 28 days later, my trial is just about to expire and I still haven't gone back to purchase. I will after the, the, after the trial expires because that's when the scarcity actually kicks in for me. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, cool. Well, that's powerful stuff, Brent. I think we should probably draw it to a close there. We've gone for about 35 minutes and we've covered a lot of good areas. There's plenty of actionable stuff to take away. What, if anything, would be your final words of wisdom to our listener out there right now listening into your advice? I think that the best thing that you can do with any marketing is try things quickly and fail them even faster. So uh, try lots of different things, see what works, see if you can just dip your toe into a lot of different different, uh, different marketing strategies 
And sometimes they won't work, but sometimes you'll find something that is incredible. And we found that recently with SMS. We found it with, recently with mail, and we found it by testing some crazy ideas when it comes to conversion optimization. So test as much as, as you can. Awesome. Well, I guess in theme with the interview, we should offer our listener now a call to action, which they should go and do as a result of listening in today. Brent, what would that be? Where can people go and find out more about you? Well, normally the way that I work is I work through different marketing agencies. So one of the th best things that I think that people can do is actually get in touch with you. And Perfect if they answer. want my services, is actually to get in touch with you, James, and say, hey, I'd like some keyword research done or some conversion optimization done on my website. You got it. Perfect response, Brent. As if we'd practiced it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time and your words of wisdom today. It's been a thoroughly enjoyable 35 minutes or so chatting with you, as it always is, Brent. So um, thanks again for your time and uh, we should do this all again soon. Thanks for having me, James. This week's news in traffic. Okay, so the first news is from Twitter and they're now letting all US advertisers target people who just saw their TV ads. Okay, so this type of advertising is probably out of the reach to the average traffic jam listener. However, this new development is well worth a mention. Okay, so how does it work? Well, let's say Adidas runs a commercial for their new sneakers across several shows on different networks. Twitter's then able to analyze exactly when those ads were shown and on what programs. It then looks at people tweeting about those particular shows or programs by naming them in their tweets or by using relevant hashtags. Twitter are then able to show advertising to those people in their Twitter streams using promoted tweets. So have you got a few hundred grand's worth of advertising dollars to spend on TV ads and Twitter advertising? Well, if you have, you may want to give this a go. Okay, next we go to LinkedIn. And in a fantastic development, they've introduced sponsored updates, which pretty much seems to be their version of Facebook's sponsored stories. Now, with sponsored updates, company owners and organizations and even institutions will be able to reach people beyond their own following. Now, using demographic data and profile information across 225 million profiles on LinkedIn, it seems that we can get pretty precise with that targeting. And finally, in this week's news, a month after Facebook introduced photo comments for users, the site is implementing this technology now for pages as well. Now people can leave photo comments on page posts and page admins can also respond to comments with a photo. This is rolling out gradually and globally starting this week. Thank you to Faddy from the United Kingdom for another five-star iTunes review, which I got this week. And he said the quality of the podcast is very high in terms of production, but also the content is equally polished. Informative and entertaining interviews, this podcast is packed with the tips and insights to boost traffic from a number of different tools and platforms. A must-have. Well, thank you, Faddy. Um, as always, I'd love to get your feedback and comments relating to the show. 
and there are a few places in which you can do that. There is, of course, iTunes itself. Log in via your iTunes account and find the Traffic Jam podcast and leave your review and rating there. You can, of course, do it on the site in the comments for each show. And you can also do it via SpeakPipe, which is a voice message service, which you'll find linked at the base of the site. So I'd love to get your feedback and comments however you'd like to submit them and any great comments. Well, in fact, pretty much any comment, really, I'll read out on next week's show. The one minute traffic tip. Well, I know how popular it is when I share cool little tools and resources for you. So I just want to tell you this week about a little WordPress plugin that we've added to Traffic Jam Cast in the past few days that will get your content some additional social media exposure. Now this little plugin is called Click to Tweet and it's super simple. Using the plugin you can create a pre-populated tweet with the message you want people to share and with one click your site visitors can tweet that message from their own Twitter account and share your message with their audience. There are many applications, of course, for this plugin, but we're using it to share cool little quotes from the Traffic Jam interviews. And because, of course, my guests share some pretty cool stuff each week, retweeting these quotes is proving to be pretty popular indeed. To see the functionality I'm talking about, head on over to trafficjamcast.com. Locate the episode page on which this episode sits and you should find a very cool quote from Brent. I don't know what it is yet because I'm recording this before that post is written, but you'll be able to click on that button and share that quote of Brent's with your followers. So go give it a try. Okay, that rounds out another episode of Traffic Jam. I'll, of course, be doing it all again next week. And to give you a little heads up as to what's in store on next week's show, we're going to be diving in deep on the topic of retargeting. So look out for that episode. If you've enjoyed the content here on Traffic Jam, you may also want to check out veravo.com. That's my main website. And I publish videos almost daily with top traffic tips and training there too. So go check that out. To play out today's episode is a song picked by my guest today, Brent Hodgson. And the track is a good kind of dance along tune. It's by Avicii and the track name is called Good Feeling.
Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website trafficjamcast.com.